Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. From Sugar 23, I'm Angela Ledgerwood, and this is Lit Up. Today on the podcast, I get to speak with Kate Bear. She's the poet and writer who's absolutely beloved, and I got to speak to her in person, and as soon as she walked in the room, I could just feel the warmth and charisma emanating off her, and it's she was everything I had hoped, having read her work. She has three beautiful books that are called And Yet... What Kind of a Woman and Hope This Finds You Well. Uh, For me, her work just cuts to the quick. And in a few lines, I'm kind of left kind of teary or joyful. One of the poems I love is just these few words. Imagine a life spent loving what is already good. Now, the beginning of this conversation, I am quite emotional because I've just shared something really personal with her, you know, in the room. So you'll hear a bit of that at the beginning, but it's an absolutely beautiful conversation. She is such a talented person and I hope you love this conversation. Hello everyone. So I have Kate Bear, the poet, in person opposite me. There's already been a few wobbly tears. And I think anyone that's read Kate's poetry knows how it just, it cuts to the bone and you feel seen and recognized and there's such a warmth to it. So 
Here she is. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. And I said to you, this is my first in-person podcast. And it's so much better. <laughs> it's so much better than Zoom. Everything's better Everything. than Zoom. <laughs> and you mentioned too that what a strange experience to launch your first book, which was this, you know, New York Times bestseller. But you never know that when you launch oh, a book. Oh, I had no idea. And it's what kind of woman, and everyone will, I hope, recognize that cover that was you know, every bookstore I went by, <laughs> there it was. But it's so exciting to get a book deal and be recognized yeah. for your work. You'd been sharing your poems online a little through this sure. process, and they were resonating so strongly. Was there one that you put out there and you felt, oof, let's see how this is received. Yeah. In the beginning, when I was writing for What Kind of Woman, sometimes I would put, I would share poems as a feeler. Does anyone like this? Yeah. <laughs> is this anything? That's really changed. It's become so different now. But in the beginning, yeah, I, I would put things out there and hope it resonated with someone. And usually it did. And, and uh, most of those poems made it into what kind of woman. My process is a little different now just because my following has changed. So I don't really want to rely on the internet to give me feedback for books. But definitely in the beginning, that is when I realized, oh, this, I think I found my voice. I think this boiled down storytelling is for me. You know, I was um, doing personal essays before and writing a novel. I'd never shared poetry before. I'd always written it, but never shared it. And that feedback is what gave me the confidence to to keep pushing and developing and eventually try to get a book deal. We'll talk about your second book, which is very much centered around the unsolicited advice you got from the internet sure. once you started to get more well-known. I read in the Great Times profile that Jessica Bennett did about where you would go to write, how you would write, and were those early poems that you just wrote for yourself, what was the impulse for that? And at which point of your motherhood journey did you start writing poetry? Was it way before or how did that evolve? Yeah. I mean, I was writing poetry in my second grade journal, so it, it certainly <laughs> didn't take motherhood for that. But I did start focusing on it more after children. And in fact, after I was done having children, I started to lean into that more. My One of my best friends was actually having a baby and I was kind of reflecting on that because I just had a f unplanned pregnancy that was very difficult. And she was about to have a baby and I was dealing, I don't, Daniel Tiger is this kid's show based on Mr. Rogers and they sing this song that says you can feel two feelings at the same time, but that's okay. And I was thinking about that, how she's having this baby and here I am with, with this newborn and I can hardly hold it together and I'm so happy for her, but I'm also drowning. And I, I was trying to kind of piece that together and I wrote, <clears throat> I was starting to write I was cheating on my novel, working at a coffee shop, and I started to write some poetry about it. And I thought, oh, I was kind of shocked what came out. And I thought, oh, this is a wonderful way for me to, I don't know, just let my mind wander back up into the clouds and see what happens. I was working on a thriller at the time, and it was such a different way of writing. And I... um I don't know. Mary Oliver had just died, so I was also reading a ton of her poetry 
And I think her voice and that way of storytelling, all those things combined led me to write about motherhood again, which I'd really taken a break from. I have all these dog-eared <laughs> pages, but I think it'd be fun if we just do like a roulette, like you open oh, sure. at a page and... At a marked page, sure. Or at any page yeah. and just see what what comes. This one's called For the Advice Cards at Bridal Showers. Oh, I haven't read this in a few years. <laughs> okay. Go to bed angry, wake up with a plan. When someone asks for the secret to a happy marriage, remember you don't know. This is not a happy ending. This is not a fairy tale. This is the beginning of a life you haven't met. It doesn't matter how much you fall down on your knees, brown the buttered pan, Time will reveal love's complication, gloom, and happiness. For now, just remember how you felt the day you were born, desperate for magic, ready to love. Mm. Gosh, reflecting on marriage and a relationship, I think I went back and read this first book, and gosh, talking about those two feelings at once. Yeah. How much we longed for that person and yet the finding them yeah. and the the holding what you know that it's mundane. Yeah. It's it's laughter, the the imagined kind of world that we live in versus the reality and how are those themes always bubbling away for you how do you if you have a thought about one or the other do you pull it down into a word or a phrase I mean you just said the words and yet which is basically yeah. the theme of this third book there's a Buddhist saying that says life is suffering and yet which that could really boil down marriage <laughs> and motherhood and just being in the world we've seen that over and over the last few years life is suffering and yet all these hard things are happening and yet it's a beautiful day in New York. My kids are running around laughing and having fun and it feels like the world is burning, but look at them. And, and so there's so many of those moments in marriage as well, of course. And I think that goes, I think most people who are in any kind of relationship would say that. That poem in particular, I wrote actually, I had just gone to a bridal shower. Do you know they give you those things sometimes to fill out advice for the bride and groom, which always makes me laugh. It's hard to give advice and to receive it. And I kind of hate those standard replies like, don't go to bed angry. You know what? Sometimes you do have to go to bed angry. <laughs> Sometimes a good sleep helps. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And you wake up with a point of view and perspective. And Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, let's do the same now for your new collection sure. of poems and yet and see what happens, sure. where you open up at. I love that this is dog-eared. This one's about marriage, too. It's called Mix-Up. In a cosmic mix-up, the wife switches bodies with her husband. Nothing like this has happened before, she cries as she pulls on his pants, minds the crotch, barrels down the long staircase to an office where they call her Bud and How About Those Stealers. It's upsetting, the whole charade, except at lunch when she orders fries and no one says, we're so bad, or at the meeting when she gives the room all her best ideas and they say, man, where have you been? 
We have to fix this, her husband begs when the wife returns for dinner. Come here, she says, slipping off her shoes and drawing the curtains before she makes love to another life. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, Thank you. I mean, everyone out there is probably imagining themselves in their other person's life and what... Oh, that line about the fries. You know, when you read it and you, I just eye rolled for every. Yes. Every woman who's been at the table had that comment. Yeah. And just the simplicity of that, my new mantra is going to be, and yet, (laughs) because the dot, dot, dot that comes afterwards for everyone and it's so different. It's just something to wake up to in the morning and go, and yet. Yeah. The possibility for every day is for joy if we have yeah. space for it. You talk a lot about finding your voice and accepting that this is your subject matter. Yeah. Womanhood, motherhood, mm-hmm. and everything that comes along with that is worthy. Was that a transition for you? Like, why were you writing that thriller and not poetry? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'd written personal essay for a while, for six, seven years. And some of those pieces were going viral in Huffington Post. And it it was all motherhood, the same themes. But I was so sick of being called a mommy blogger or a mommy writer. And I just felt like I wasn't taken seriously And so I internalized that misogyny and perpetuated it by saying, I'm taking a break from this. I'm not going to write about motherhood anymore. I just, I wanted to be taken seriously. I I was so sick of that byline, mommy writer. And so I, I quit. I completely stopped. The agent I was working on was working with, who I still have. She was super supportive and said, yeah, let's you can write a thriller, whatever you want to do. And so I worked on that for four years, never published. And I learned a lot in that time. I learned a lot about process and writing and so many technical things. I call that my less, slightly less expensive MFA. So I was working on that. And that's when I started cheating with poetry. And that just led back to the same themes I had been writing about at my core. And I think a lot of writers would say that no matter what they try to write about, they kind of circle the drain of the same subject matter. So it was kind of hard to look in the mirror and realize I'm perpetuating the stereotype. Motherhood is such a universal topic. I felt like it was, I was being put in this niche category of mommy writer. We all came from somewhere. How many coming of age stories about baseball have I, have I read, you know, as this universal book that everyone needs to read? And so I I started to think about that more and realize that I don't need to be part of this. I don't need to be part of the stereotype. I can call myself a writer. I don't have to say mommy writer. And, um, And also it's okay to be a mom. It's okay to write about these experiences. And I've had to work through that, but I really tried to let that go. Well, I also think it's interesting to, I'm sure, go back and go, well, who was putting that label on me? Was it other women or was it male critics or, and like you said, we all have our own internalized misogyny too. Um, but there's such like intellectual rigor in writing about motherhood or femininity. Right. 
And which poets, if you ever feel like, ugh, the world, what the hell, who are your comfort mm -hmm. reaches? Wanda Coleman is an incredible poet. Sharon Olds, Mary Oliver, Maya Angelou, they're all women. And most of them are mothers. And was able to write about it in such a way that makes me feel less alone and also in such a beautiful, in such a beautiful way and highlighting those very difficult parts, but also almost poking fun at it. And I love that. And yeah, I, I always turn back to them because it brings me such a comfort to know that they were doing all of this before me. <laughs> yeah. Those are the ones that come to mind. Okay, let's try it. Let's do another poem from And Yet. Oh, sure. <clears throat> any anyone in particular? I think just any that resonates with you this morning. Okay. Um, well, it's a beautiful morning, so I'm going to read Idea. I will enjoy this life. I will open it like a peach in season, suck the juice from every finger, run my tongue over my chin. I will not worry about cliches or in uninvited guests peering in my windows. I will love and be loved, save and be saved a thousand times. I will let the want into my body, bless the heat under my skin. My life, I will not waste it. I will enjoy this life. Ah, oh, I remember reading that last night again and thinking, did Kate write that in the morning? You know, after her coffee rush. Yes. <laughs> it's like the same moment that I am on the subway having had a coffee and I text all my girlfriends, yeah. you know, I love you. Yeah. I just appreciate you so much. Yeah. When there's there's a high yeah. of life and you think that goes by 3 p.m. Yeah. Or even by yeah. 20 minutes later. Absolutely. Do you remember where you were when you started that one? That's a great question. I'm sure the sun was shining because those are the days where you feel like, oh, I, I will take life by the horns and not waste it. I don't specifically remember what was happening that day, but I, I can feel that feeling immediately when I read that poem and know the headspace that I'm in. I'm a very emotional person, which I think a lot of writers, especially poets are. And the highs are highs and the lows are lows. And there are a lot of low poems in this book, but there are a few highs and that's one of them. I, I feel like as I get older, and I'm sure you can say this too, I have these moments where I think, can I swear? Yes. Oh, fuck <laughs> everything. I don't need to, it doesn't matter. We have one chance here. We have one chance to enjoy this life. I don't get another, I don't get another year 37, 38, 39. I don't get to do this again, I might as well very much enjoy it, not care what other people think. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing, <laughs> what I look like. I want to spend time with the people who bring me joy. Tell my girlfriends I love them, yes. I've never told the women in my life I love them more because why not? I better tell them now. This These last few years have been so hard. It's like, why not be exactly who I want to be? And I think so many women feel that way as they get away from that idea that they have to be a certain kind of person. I grew up in the 80s and 90s where the ideal woman is like, you get married, you flash your Julia Roberts smile, you have the wedding, and then you kind of like retire 
to a life of like domestic bliss and like with a Disney princess body. And it's so boring. I feel like every year I get older and like, what new thing can I discover? What new part of myself can I unfold here? Because what other way to live? It's such a waste otherwise. And I'm saying this as this is my sunshine moment because so the next day I'm probably just going to be in bed. And like, I don't even, what is the point of any of this? And so I, I try to hold on to those moments when I can. Oh, well, just hearing you talk from that, from your point of view, talking about being in bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another poet I discovered on NPR was Kay Ryan. Okay, yeah. And her process was her wife worked at the local prison, I think, for many years, and they would get up early in the morning and Kay Ryan would make her wife lunch to take with her. Then she would get back into bed <laughs> with her pad and pencil and write from there. Like on those days where you have to get back into bed, is there still a pad, you know, on the bedside table or are they really moments to just be in those feelings? I mean, to be honest, I have four children, so I can't really be in bed very often. But when <laughs> yeah. they are all at school, for me, my the way my mind and kind of depression works is when I am having those low moments, I do, I write nothing. It's very difficult for me to function in any kind of productive way in, in the lowest of moments. And so if I'm in bed, I'm pretty much down for the count, which I wouldn't, those are pretty low times as far as writing. But I said this in an interview this week, the gift of having those lows is the relief when it's over. I think that's probably the strongest human emotion is relief out of anything. The feeling of heaviness lifting can teach us so much about humanity and about ourselves and has been such a window into that and allowed me to really explore my own life in a way that I'm not sure would be possible without those lows. Well, that the poem you read to us about that joy of life it gives every reader a, a, that relief, a yeah. recognition, because I think we've all had that, come on, this is it, look at it, yeah. it's yeah. beautiful. But then we get to reread it through your eyes and feel a, a relief that where the highs are, are shared, but like you mentioned, that only comes from yeah. a recognition that they're so fleeting. Yeah. A theme that jumped out at me, which I think probably is through all of your work, is that people want you to stay in your lane. Yeah. And that's so interesting. I think we've had a big shift now, even just in the creative world. Now everyone's a creator, mm -hmm. in quotes, so that means they're hyphenate artist. Yeah. A singer can be Taylor Swift's a poet. She's this, she's sure. that. And that's been a big shift. Yeah. And some of the comments are like, I really like your poetry, but I don't want you to veer off these tracks that make so me feel uncomfortable. Because poetry is so political and it always has been. And that is what I find so fascinating when people say that to me. 
to not get political or give me advice. If you weren't so political, you would get more readers. If you were more kind of cut that out, you would be able to speak to everyone, which I think is so silly and would really flatten people because poetry, politics isn't everything. And yes, it's very strange. You know, I have less and less of those messages. I think they're afraid of me. Good, um, good. And this, yeah. if you want to read another one that speaks to you. You know what I would love to read? Reasons to Log Off. Ooh. <clears throat> this is called Reasons to Log Off. The girl who said she could never eat a second slice of pizza my senior year of college is doing really well. My cousin posts a photo of a loaded gun. Have I ever heard of the Second Amendment? Have I ever heard of this new recipe? Cauliflower, a hint of lemon, some chopped up ginger root. Hey, do you want to lose weight in only 30 minutes? Hey, can I have just a moment of your time? Click here to receive a special invitation. Click here if you want to believe in God. Tomorrow there's a pride walk to support the right to marry. One comment says, I will pray for your affliction. Another says, I hope you trip, fall down, and die. Swipe up to find my new lip filler. Scroll down to read why these four girls were horribly afraid. Greg is asking for your number. Greg wants to send a big surprise. Oh my gosh, I remember reading that and thinking that there's something about seeing such familiar phrases, mm -hmm. tropes, yeah, that we're used to seeing on a screen. We get it, what's happening, okay. Yeah. But the power of taking them out of those screens and onto a printed page yeah. and reading it in a book form as a poem brings out the absurdity. Right, like what are we doing? <laughs> yes, it's almost like printing that out and having it up on your wall and every time you're mindlessly scrolling, yeah. going, what? But somehow when we're inside of that machine, we yeah. don't recognize those words for what they are. Yeah. The insanity of spending insanity. our time with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I live just as online as the next millennial, so I wish I could unplug more than I do, but I will say I find myself less and less in those spaces because I never really feel that great after. I feel, you know, sending a funny meme to a friend is one thing, but then scrolling through a comment section is a completely other experience. Are humans meant to hear what these teen neighbors are talking about on a topic with no accountability? I don't think so. I'm just not sure that's helping anybody. It's such a tricky thing, and it's the wild west of the internet. There's no accountability in most places. I think that's really going to change in the next few decades because we're still so new to this. We have no idea. You can't study it because it hasn't been long enough to know what, how it's changing our brains, how it's changing our behavior. Well, also, you know that saying, you know, you are who you spend your time with. And through the pandemic, I found I wanted to spend so much more time with my friends and I couldn't. Yeah. But now I feel it's even more, it's how we spend our time is who we are. Yeah. Like where we put our focus. Because yeah. my brain feels so scattered 
I feel like for so many of us, we get home and we're like, I can't. I, it's like scrambled egg brain. Yeah. I'll take whatever's being thrown at me. Because it's easy. Yes. And, and we're tired. We're tired. Yeah. But I think we're tired from the mental exhaustion of weeding out so much crap in our day through our experience of living through a computer, yeah. a phone. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because we have our real life here together, but then we also have a digital life. There's still so much to weed out, to sort through it and put it all in the right boxes. And it's exhausting. I'm wondering, do you in your mind have a little avatar of yourself? <laughs> like what would your online avatar look like? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't, although I do talk to myself all the time, but I think I just picture her as what I look like in real life. I, I remember a few years ago, I realized not everybody does that. Do you do that? I, I speak out loud, but not everybody does this. And I thought, for a long time, I thought it's only me. And then I realized, oh, a lot of other people do it, but not everyone. Like some people speak quietly, internally. internally. Yeah. I think that's normal. I find... If I'm in a good mood yeah. or if I'm doing chores around mm -hmm. the house, I'll kind of babbling, like yeah, baby same. babble, like, oh, yeah. that's interesting. Oh, yeah, same. <laughs> and it's, I, maybe it's a comfort. It's, I think it's a comfort and also being comfortable with yourself. Again, getting older and just like, I really enjoy my own company. <laughs> and I've heard that from so many women recently. My peer group were almost 40. And don't you think as you travel towards this point, you realize, oh, the person I wanted to be was always right here. You're already good. This person was already inside me this whole time. And I really like her. And I disparaged her for so long or, or tried to change her into somebody else when the person I was at eight years old even was still so wonderful. I just didn't know it yet. And I think that's been one of the biggest joy um, of my life is realizing that it's I'm already okay. Everything I need, I already have. And... Um, I love to see when other women experience the same thing. Well, I, love. I also feel that there's something about maybe between that five and eight-year-old self that I think we're always trying to get back to. Yes. And maybe as we get older, now we start to let her bubble up again because she had to learn how to be a woman and the band-aids that we all put on the, what type of woman am I going to be and it takes us so long to work that out and then I think coming into the 40s is almost this process of just like shedding yep. shedding and letting that funny person she's so funny come back <laughs> yeah you know that kind of that the orchids I'm sure you see it there is that that when they're acting and they're yeah. so themselves yes. and you, I'm sure as a parent, I, that you think, oh, how long is this going to last before right. the self-consciousness right. comes? Yes. And to have that person come back, that's such a gift. And I know it's more difficult than just snapping your fingers, but yes, I do. I actually have an eight-year-old daughter. Eight? Yeah, she's eight. And she's just about to turn nine. And I think about that a lot when I look at her face. She's her most pure self. And uh, I hope she can retain that as, as much as she can. Yeah. 
Okay, well, it's time. And actually, I'm thinking, could you read one more poem? Oh, yeah, of course. And from any? From, from anywhere. Oh, okay. It's like you just touch Let the book. Let me read that. I actually think Moon Song would be a great way to end this. Beautiful. I know what's in here. It's right here. <clears throat> this is called Moon Song. You are not an evergreen unchanged by the pitiless snow. You are not a photo, a brand, a character written for sex or house or show. You do not have to choose one or the other, a dream or a dreamer, the bird or the birder. You may be a woman of commotion and quiet, magic and brain. You can be a mother and a poet, a wife and a lover. You can dance on the graves you dug on Tuesday, pulling out the bones of yourself you began to miss. You can be the sun and the moon, the dance of victory song. Ah. Thank you. You're welcome. This was so wonderful. It's I could heaven. talk to you all day. I know, me too. And I have to ask <laughs> you the last question. Yeah. What lights you up? Oh my goodness. I treat my female friendships like a marriage. And they, I could never stay married or maybe even be who I am or on this earth without them. And uh, they, they light me up. I love my family. I love spending time with my husband and my children. But the women in my life are some of my greatest joys. And uh, yeah, they light me up. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Look, uh, now we're ending oh, with the prize. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was so wonderful. Lit Up is a podcast from Sugar23. It's hosted by me, Angela Ledgewood, and is produced by Liam Billingham. Olivia Allmeyer is the marketing and editorial consultant. Mike Mayer and Michael Sugar are the executive producers. Andre Radofsky wrote the theme music. See you in two weeks. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.